down the word of scripture If you are truly standing with you Never are we gonna budge We ain't going nowhere We standing on the word of scripture If you are truly standing with you Because of this grace and love We ain't going nowhere A pagan indeed Till the open Romans When the child told him Take up and read Gave rise to watch With the high-pitched post denier So the five After he died They roasted his bones and fire This talk is not minutia It is seriously sown From the thoughts of Luther When he fought the tyranny of Rome Then he who sits in heaven Gave us Calvin Who didn't work alone At 27 wrote One of the greatest works The church has known Hard knocks Call him John Be prepared When he hit his knees Believe the queen That she feared his prayers And there were glowing With Owen Who offered us the clearer lens and the scholar called the father was the Puritans And John Bunyan was not fronting beautiful feet They threw him in the clinch for not refusing to preach But his sermons next to Jonathan Edwards are hardly rival America's greatest and the left who was far revival We standing on the word of scripture If you are truly standing with you Because of his grace and love Yeah yeah, going nowhere. It's real with this field, the wildest place. And you can hear George Whitfield from miles away. Uh, and J.C. Ralph files a pile of pearls. No joke, what he wrote on holiness is out of this world. It's dispersion, vibrant, strong, intense to teach you. I refer you to Shylin's song and the Prince of Preachers. And Warfield is a rifle to these BB guns. When liberals would reach the wall, pitiful to see him run. Crave Mr. Lynx on pages covered with ink. You'll get the kitchen sink from A.W. Pink. And Martin Lloyd-Jones with Sherlock Holmes with the word. A word drops, the earth drops, while the home is preserved. Through the flesh, who can assess the course of our nature? To impress you, address the culture like safer. Moving next to dueling threats like swollen MacArthur. Been watching faulty doctrine be assaulted by washers. I'm positive I'm drowning, cause the fountain is awesome. Pound for pound, you won't go around without them in Lawson. These accolades toss them. Without grace, there's no gain. Never been about black shades and gold chains. If you are truly standing with you, never are we gonna budge. We ain't going nowhere. We standing on the word of scripture. If you are truly standing with you, because of this grace and love, we ain't going nowhere.
<laughs> oh. Sorry, I had it looped. I forgot to take the loop off. Anyway, let me, let me do something real quick here, guys. Uh, let's do this. There we go. Need to change the background. Didn't like the background. Anyway, good morning to you, everybody. It is Pastor Jace, a.k.a. Or my real name's Randy, but it's Pastor Jace with Made Free Church Idaho. Hope you guys are having a great morning. I know I am. Uh, just so you all know, my real name is Randy, but everybody calls me Jace, so just get... Anyway, let's turn on. Uh, so, guys, um, just so I'm, I'm looking at my screen. So, if you see me looking over to the right, I'm looking up the screen, making sure that, you know, my screen is still on. Because Monday uh, or Tuesday, we had a hiccup and uh, the system went down. So, um, just so you guys know. So, um, just did a quick announcement before we get started. Uh, guys, if you guys need prayer, please go to madefreechurch.org. We'd love and be honored to pray for you. We're a praying church. And um, so, guys, go out and get on madefreechurch.org and put in your prayer request there. Um, and uh, the beginning music that we had was called uh, Reformed Thug Life, by, which features Mario Esco, which is Wrath and Grace. Uh, I want to give out the shout out to them because they're uh, they're I love their music I love their I love their music uh, and uh, let's get into this here put out some snodgrass awesome awesome so um, so if you guys need prayer you know just let us know but we're gonna be in continue our studies in Romans and uh, we're going to be in Romans chapter 7 verse 14 through 20 but we're going to look at a lot of different scripture today so um, and you know we're going to be talking about you know sin and the Christian right um, and uh, so well good morning to you my brother or my sister. I don't know. I can't see your name, but uh, good morning to you, Facebook user. Um, so let's get into this, man. Let's get into prayer. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for this time. Lord, we ask that you get me out of the way and let your word go forward. Lord, we love you. And uh, we love your word. And, and we love just uh, being in Bible study and stuff like that, Lord. And we just ask, Lord, that you just, you know, bless our day and bless our evening for those who are watching overseas. And on the podcast and stuff like that, Lord. We love you and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, oh. so Billy Billy Sunday was a well-known evangelist uh, uh, at the start of the tw uh, 20th century, and in preparation, uh, preparation of his series, um, he was in a large city, uh, and on Sunday he wrote a he wrote the uh, mayor a letter uh, that which asked for the names of individuals whom the mayor knew had spiritual problems and were in need of a help in prayer. Now imagine Billy's surprise when uh, the mayor sent him the whole city directory. You know, the mayor understood what was inevitably, uh, what, what was intuitively uh, known and 
and the Bible explicitly affirms. In Romans 3.23, it says all of us struggle with sin. The Apostle Paul describes this struggle with sin in Romans chapter 7, verses 14-20 in context of God's law, right? So let's read that today. So open up your word to Romans 7, verses 14-20. It says this, for we knew what the law we knew that the law is spiritual but i am of the flesh sold under sin for i do not understand my own actions for i do what i uh, for i do not for i do not do what i want but the very thing i hate now if i do what i do not want i agree with the law that is good so i no longer do what i do, uh, uh, i no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. For I know nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have desired to do what is right, but not the ability to carry that out. For I do not do the good that I want, but the evil I do not want to do is what I keep doing. And it goes to uh, verse 20, and it goes, Now if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the sin that dwells within me. You know, uh, the last half of Romans 7 is one of the most debated sections in the entire Bible. (coughs) Godly people throughout the ages have disagreed over how to interpret this passage. In this section of the letter uh, in which Paul the apostle, right, is speaking of himself, describing a fierce eternal struggle with sin. The fundamental question in this section uh, over, uh, what, what, you know, there, there, there's a huge debate on, on, on which stage of, uh, of life is Paul speaking. Is he speaking of the present, that is, of the time of his writing of the letter? Or when he was a mature Christian? Or is he speaking of himself in the past before his conversion to Christ? The, the important question is, before we look at the text in detail, it is vital that we understand whether or not Paul is talking about himself as a Christian or a non-Christian in this section. And, and so to that end, I want you to notice two changes in verses 14 to 20. The first, uh, first, we notice the change of, uh, uh, of tense in two verbs. In the previous sections of, of 7 through 13, the verbs are predominantly in the past tense. Uh, they appear to refer to Paul in his past experiences before he was a Christian. So in verse 9b, which is the later part of the verse, it says, Sin came alive and I died. And in verse 11, he says, sin deceived me. And then in verse 13, he says, did that which is good then bring death to me by no means. See, the, the, all these verbs are past tense. And, and they refer to his life before his conversion to Christ. Now in verse 14 and, and, and onwards, the verbs are in the present tense. Uh, and, and refer to Paul's present experience as a Christian. In, vor, in, in verse 14, Paul says, I am the, of the flesh. And in verse 15, he says, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not, for I do, not do what I want, but the very thing that I hate. It, all these are present tense verbs. 
And the second, I want you to notice the change of situations. In, in verses 7 through 13, Paul describes how sin sprang up to, into life through the lot and it killed him. It finished him off, spiritually speaking, right? But in verses 14 through 20, he describes his fierce continually conflict in which he refuses to admit defeat, but is an active combatant against sin. Now, these two changes seem to suggest that Paul is betraying in verses 7 through 13 as his life as a non-Christian and in verses 14 through 20, his life as a Christian. You know, some com com some commentators, even our Greek fathers and, and other commentators have rejected this view. They cannot conceive how a Christian, let alone a mature Christian like the Apostle Paul, could describe could describe his Christian experience into in the terms of fierce conflict and and a conflict that seems to be winning. And they argue that Romans chapter 7, verse 14 through 20 must describe Paul's non-Christian struggle with sin. Yet, there is two traits in the Apostle Paul's self-portrait in verses 14 through 20 that led the reformers and have led the most, but admittedly not all commentators since, to believe that these verses are actually a self-portrait of Paul as a Christian. The, uh, the first is, is Paul's opinion of himself. The second is his opinion of the law. So let's, let's look briefly on that, right? First, Notice that Paul's opinion of himself. And, and what is the opinion of himself? In verse 14, he says, I am of the flesh. In other words, unspiritual. And in verse 18, he says, for I, for I know nothing good dwells in me. That is, in my flesh. The sinful nature. Right? Now, who but a mature Christian believes and talks of himself like that. A non-Christian is characterized by uh, self-confidence and self-righteousness and would never acknowledge himself as a wretched man, which Paul further describes himself in verse 24. Only a mature Christian reaches to the place of both self-disgust and self-despair. And, and, and it is he who recognizes that with disheartening clarity that nothing good dwells in the flesh. It is the Christian who acknowledges that he is a wretched man and he cries out for deliverance. You can see that if you guys want to jump uh, to verse 24, you, you guys can. Good morning, Pastor Henry's in the house. Ooh, what's up, Bubba? Pastor Henry's on Facebook in the house from Uganda. So, second, I want you to notice Paul's opinion of the law. You know, Paul calls God's law good in verse 16. That is, he, he acknowledges that the, the law is good in itself. He longs with all of his heart to obey it. He even says in verse 22, For I delight in the law of God my, uh, in, in my inner being. This is not the language of a non-Christian. You know, uh, uh, hold on here. Uh, where's my cursor? There we go. Um, the non-Christian's attitude to the law is given to us in Romans 8, 7, when he says, the mind is that set is set on the flesh. That 
is, i.e., the mind of a sinful man is hostile to God and does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Far from being hostile from God and his law, Paul says that he delights in it. In other words, Paul's hostility is reserved for what is evil. Right? From these two points, I am convinced that we are speaking about Paul of himself in Romans uh, 7, 14 to 20 as a growing, maturing Christian. He is speaking as a Christian who has been given a clear and proper view of both of his own flesh, his sinful nature, and God's holy law. And his position is that his flesh, there is nothing good, whereas God's law is good and that he desires it. Right? Hey, Michelle, how are you? Okay, yeah, guys, pray for Pastor Chad's uh, wife, Michelle. She is uh, going for her, heading to her second infusion of chemo this morning. So please pray for her. Uh, she just showed up on Facebook. So pray for her, guys, okay? Everybody on podcast, pray for Michelle. All right. Um, so the question is, is why does Paul describe... Uh, describe his experience in the terms of not only conflict but of defeat why does he say not only that he wants to do good but that he does not and cannot do it the simple answer is this in romans chapter 7 verse 7 13 he has shown that as a non-christian he could not obey god's law but in verses tw uh, 14 through 20 he shows that even a Christian still cannot obey God's law by himself. He recognizes that the law, the goodness of the law, and he can delight in the law, and he can long to keep the law, uh, none of which was possible to him as a non-Christian. But his flesh, which is his undoing prior to his conversion, is still his undoing after his conversion right uh, unless and this is vital the power of the holy spirit subdues his flesh right paul teaches about the work of the holy spirit and how it can free christians from the control of the flesh when you look in romans 8 right but you you so you'll have to keep that in mind so we're going to come back to that uh and learn more about that later okay so in both sections, in Romans uh, chapter 7, verses 7 through 13, and Romans 7, 14 through 20, emphasizes whether we are Christians or non-Christians, the flesh nature is our big problem. So let's, so let's do this. For the remainder of our time, uh, let's, let's get into closer examination of, of verses 14 through 20 in chapter 7. What does Paul teach about our struggle? as Christians and with sin, right? So the first, uh, uh, it is helpful to see in Romans 7, 14 through 20 that Paul precisely says the same thing twice, no doubt for emphasis, right? Uh, in the first section of 14 through 17, in, uh, verses 14 to 17, and in the second section, section in eight, verses 18 and 20, these two sections are almost exactly identical so it seems 
we should probably take a closer look at them together, okay? So the first section begins with a frank acknowledgement of our condition, which is that of the inborn sinfulness, right? Paul begins with a sober admission of what we ourselves and what of what we ourselves are to, uh, to be. When Paul says in 14, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am the flesh sold under sin, right? And then in verse 18, Paul says, for I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh, my sinful nature. Uh, in other words, he's saying that this is what I am even as a Christian Though the law is good and spiritual, I am of the flesh. I am unspiritual. I am carnal. Sin dwells in me and assaults me, and I no longer uh, and I am no match for it. Rather, in myself, and if I left myself, I am I, I'm its slave. It's re, it's it's reluctant. It's resistant slave. Right. This is this is what Paul's saying. I was converted to Christ at the age of 46. Now, I've known Christ my whole life because my oldest brother, Ronnie, became a Christian when he was 15, and he's uh, I'm eight years younger than him, right? But when I talk about my conversion, I mean, I'm talking about my real conversion, right? Like, I had a really disturbed views of, of what Christ was and all this other stuff, right? So it's, it's really... I gave, I, I was converted to Christ. This is what I believe. I was converted to Christ at the age of 46. Now, I've been saved my whole life because once you're saved, you're always saved. And I gave my life to Christ a long time ago. But I really converted and started living out what I believed when I, at the age of 46. You know, um, and even though that I, I attended church, I, I, I cared nothing for the things of God. I sinned regularly and fragrantly against the, uh, God's law. You know, why? Is is because I was the flesh. Apart from the general restraint of the moral law, God was not in my life. I mean, uh, I worked for Capitol Records for 27 years. I owned an adult talent agency. I was in the porn business. I, I did a lot of things, right, before my real conversion in Christ. You know what I mean? I lost an awesome marriage to a, a, a an awesome family because of my alcoholism. Yeah. I, I had a problem with alcohol, guys. You know what I mean? This is before Christ. This is BC. It's BC. Um, and, and, but at, at the age of 46, I was converted to Christ. The Holy Spirit convicted me of my sin. Right? Righteous and judgment, and, you know, and, and, and regenerated me, and I converted to Christ. I became a new creation in Christ, what it says in 2 Corinthians 5.17. And from that moment of my regeneration, God, the Holy Spirit, what began indwelling in me. And one of the biggest things that he took away from me was my language. Was I cussed like a sailor. You know, I was involved in heavy sexual sin. I was sleeping with women. I was drinking alcohol. I was even doing a little drugs, I think, too. And taking a lot of pills and stuff like that. And, you know... But see, one thing that we have to understand is he did not remove my flesh or my sinful nature, but he removed all the rest. See, my flesh is still in me. That is what's, that's what Paul's saying in, in this text. It's for I know nothing that good dwells in me. That is my flesh in 17, 18. I still have my flesh. 
now as a Christian, I also have the Holy Spirit living in me. And, and, and this is how God views me, right? I no longer, he no longer views me as the one of the sinful nature or the flesh, right? But rather as one who is a new creation in Christ. This is what one com uh, commentator calls the I authentic I. In other words, this is who I am authentically. This is who I am created to be, right? So the first thing we must know, even though we are Christians, even though the Holy Spirit indwells in every Christian, is the fact and the fact that we're new creations in Christ, we still have inborn sinful sinfulness that resides within us. Second section continues is a vivid description of the result of our in, in, inborn sinfulness. See, nobody really wants to talk about sin. They want to talk about the grace and, and, and love and, and all that stuff of God, right? But they don't want to talk about sin. Well, here at Made Free Church, we talk about love. We talk about the grace. We talk about the mercy. But we also talk about the sin, the wrath, and all that other stuff. Because we here at Made Free Church want to preach the full counsel of God, right? And... You know, there's a, not a lot of people that want to listen to that. Not a lot of people that want to <laughs> really get down with the full counsel of God, right? So, as we continue this section with this vivid description of the, our, our result of inborn sinfulness and, and constant conflict, Paul says in verse 15, For I do not understand my own actions, for I do, do not do what I want, but I do the very thing that I hate. He continues in, in verses 18b, and, and that's the last part of, of 18 and 19. For I have the desires to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good that I want to do, or to do the good that I want, but the evil I do is what is what is what I keep doing. See, someone, someone once said after reading this verse that Paul must have been a golfer. Because golfers know what you want to do and what you do not want to do. But the but that is the very thing that you do. But the inner issue is the most serious than the game of uh, the game of golf that involves our flesh, our sinful natures, right? The conflict in Christians between the flesh and the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul says in Galatians 5.17, For desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. Those are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. So let me stress this again. We're in constant conflict, and this conflict is in every Christian who knows the law of God, loves it, wants it, yearns to obey it, but who finds that he in, still by himself, he, like, you know, uh, 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 he sets upon the law of God, right? So, so, in other words, his whole being, his mind, his heart, his will is set on the laws of God. He longs to do good. He hates to do evil. He hates it with a holy heart. And if he does sin, it's against his mind, his heart, his will, and it's against the whole tenor of his life. And this constant conflict 
that every Christian experience is, right? Every Christian experience is constant conflict. It is the conflict that takes place between the flesh and the Holy Spirit living within him. October 31st, 1999, a full airplane took off from JFK International Airport from New York on a routine flight to Cairo. The final report from the National uh, Transportation Board of Safety concluded a short time after takeoff, the pilot, uh, the pilot set the plane to autopilot and left his seat and went back to the back of the plane. The relief, off, uh, relief first officer disengaged the autopilot. He proceeded to move the throttle levers from their cruise power setting to idle, cutting the engines. Seconds later, the airplane began to pitch its nose downward and descended to freefall. The horrid pilot rushed back to his seat of the cockpit and began battling his first officer for control over the plane. The pilot pulled back the controls and desperate to bring the nose up uh, the, the, you know, the nose from plunging the Boeing 767 from its, suicide, you know, from, from its suicidal drop while his suicidal first officer pushed down on the controls forwards to keep the plane in its lethal dive. The result was that the tragic crash of Egypt Air Flight 900 into the Atlantic Ocean from Nantucket, Massachusetts killed 217 people on board the battle in the airlines compact uh, cockpit is a picture of the conflict of every christian it's a picture of a combat that the combat that takes place between the flesh trying to destroy us and the holy spirit seeking to deliver us you know i understand that a long time after mickey rooney was is a committed christian he once said this I've given my life to God and I try to do the right thing, but inevitably and unfortunately I do the wrong thing. This is the constant conflict of every Christian, guys. Right? So finally, each section ends with a conclusion couched with identical words. Right? But, but the cause of the inborn sinfulness is the result of con constant conflict the indwelling sin in verse 17 uh, and 16 Paul says for I if I do if if I do what I do not want I agree with the law that is that it is good so I no longer I who do it but the, the sin that dwells in me in verse 20 he gives a conclusion for if I for now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but the, the sin that dwells within me, right? Who then is to blame for the good that I do and the evil that I do? Paul clarifies that for us, right? It, it, is, it, is, it is not the law, for Paul says that the law is good in verse 16. Besides wanting so eagerly to do good and to avoid evil paul is in fact endorsing and improving that it is good twice paul says it is no longer i who do it in verses 17 and verses 20. paul is not actually saying that he does not do it but what but but that it is not 
what his deep inner self renewed in Christ wants to do. He is affirming that he is dominated by sin. R.C. Sproul uh, puts it this way. I don't know if you know who R.C. Sproul is. I love R.C. Sproul. If you don't know him, you can check him out on Renewing Your Mind. He's on podcasts, Google, stuff like that. <clears throat> um, so this is what R.C. Sproul said. He's a theologian, right? He died in 2016, I think. Anyway, or 2000, yeah, was it 2000? I think so. Anyway, so Paul is, he says this, Paul is not denying personal responsibility for his sin. What he is saying is the real, the new I, the person that I am in Jesus Christ is not doing that. It is the old self who has been put to death with Christ that is gaining the upper hand here. Now, that does not mean that there are two distinct personalities, nor does that mean that the Christian is schizophrenic. A person who lived 20 years ago in Cincinnati now lives in Boston is still the same person. He does not behave, he does not behave exactly the same in the manner as he did 20 years ago. But he is still affected by the influence of his past life. John Blanchard says this, our sinful nature, natures neither removed at our, neither is removed at our regeneration nor refined by our sanctification. So let me close by first summarizing the teaching of these two parallel sections. First, we notice our condition. As, as Christians, we have our flesh in which there is nothing good and left to ourselves hold us captive. The result of this condition is constant conflict. The constant conflict is between our flesh and the spirit living within us. <clears throat> so the conclusion is that the cause of this conflict is indwelling sin. What Paul is, is seeking to do in this section of God's word is to expose the depravity of our flesh. And to convince us that the Holy Spirit can deliver us, right? What we need to know today is that an honest, humble acknowledgement of our hopeless depravity in our flesh, even after we become Christians, is in fact the first steps in holiness. To speak quite plainly, some of us are not leading holy lives for the simple reason that we have too high of an opinion of ourselves, right? In 1990, uh, Time Magazine reported on a math that was given to 13-year-olds in six countries. Uh, the Koreans received the, the best scores and the Americans received the worst, right? Those taking the test were also asked to respond to a statement. Am I good at mathematics? 23% of Koreans resounded affirmative, affirm, uh, affirmatively to the statement, the lowest percentage of yeses in response, while Americans came in the number one of the highest number of yeses for answers. Charles uh, uh, Krautheimer observed, American students not may not know math, but they have indemnably absorbed the lessons of newly fashionable self-esteem curriculum whereas kids are taught to feel good about themselves you know clearly American students had to have, have an, an extravagated opinion of themselves 
or at least in relation to other math students around the world. Too many of us have an extravagated opinion of ourselves into relation and our ability to overcome sin. The only way to deal with sin is a long road of self-despair. We must despair over our, our own ability to conquer sin. By ourselves, we cannot conquer sin. The power and, 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 and subtly of our flesh is such that we dare not relax for one moment. The only hope is unceasing vigilance and dependence upon the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We'll talk about more of that in, in Bible studies to come. <laughs> there are two errors to avoid in thinking of our struggles to sin. First, we must not ignore sin. Those who ignore sin are revealing that they may not be Christians. In fact, Paul says, the, the mind on flesh is death in Romans 8, 6. <clears throat> Brothers and sisters, we sin every day against God. Every day. That is why we, we must daily examine ourselves in the light of God's law <clears throat> to see how we've sinned against him. And we must then deal with our sin by confession and seeking forgiveness. If you're having trouble thinking of areas in which you may be breaking God's law, I suggest that you take the Westminster Catechisms, the both shorter and the especially the, the larger, to examine yourselves in light of the questions that deal with the law of God. The Westminster Catechism uh, did us great service by elaborating on the Ten Commandments, showing us many and many ways in which the law is broken. And second, we must not think that we will ever be free from sin in this life. There are some who teach sinless uh, perfection in this life but that is not the teaching in scripture we must never think that we'll, we will ever be able to rise above sin we will never do so in this life rather Paul teaches us that until we meet the Lord we will always struggle with sin and that and even after we meet the Lord we'll still struggle with sin because we deal with our flesh our sin nature guys Growing, uh, 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 growing, maturing Christians do not ignore sin, nor do we believe that we will ever rise above sin in a sense that we will attain sinless perfection, but rather we will have a growing sense of our own sin sinfulness. And this leads us to look to Christ and depend upon the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. For he alone subdues flesh. And as we do that, we grow in holiness. Amen. Guys, this is, this is, you know, Paul is saying that we're going to, we're going to deal with the sin, our sinful nature for the rest of our lives until we're in glory. Until we sat before God, guys. And that is the biggest thing that we got to understand. We'll never have sinless perfection until we get to heaven. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time, God. And we just ask you that 
you direct our hands and feet today, Lord, that you bless our hands and feet as we go to work, school, whatever we do, Lord, that we do in the glory of you. We love you and we worship you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, guys. Guys, thank you for being here, listening to the podcast, listening here on Facebook and YouTube. God bless you guys. You guys have a great day. And we will see you on Sunday for Sunday morning service. God bless.